Welcome back to A Little Faith. This is a podcast sponsored by the Williamsburg Christadelphian Foundation. A Little Faith podcast explores both the challenges and hope of living a life of faith. Welcome to the second group discussion about the pandemic and our faith, presented by WCF. Joining me today from nearly opposite sides of the globe are John and Rachel Launchberry in Portland, Oregon, USA, and Leona and Lucas Skippers in Kempton Park, South Africa. First, we're going to share a little bit how the pandemic is affecting us personally. Then we're going to take a look at how to understand certain Bible passages so that we can get the most help from them. And we'll be talking about what part prayer plays in all of this and how we might be able to help our neighbors. Finally, certainly not minimizing the tragic nature of the pandemic, we're going to explore how there might be a positive side for believers to what's going on. Just to start off, how is the pandemic affecting each of you personally? We'll let John and Rachel start and we'll uh, put in after that. <laughs> we were thinking we'd let you guys. <laughs> okay. But, but go on. Uh, okay, yeah. I will start. So how it's affecting me personally, um, I am extremely grateful that God made me an introvert. And so I'm not... I'm not wigging out about this at all. I'm, I love my, I love being on my own. I like my own company. Um, it's just, this is so it's suiting me perfectly. Um, but of course I have concerns for people who have lost their jobs. I have concerns for people who are ill or who are dying or who have died. Um, so it has impacted my family, my extended family. Um, a member of my family has died of COVID in England. And so that really did bring it home to me. That's, you know, it's part of my family now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I would I would say that from our immediate family, we're um, uh, remarkably untouched. Um, mm-hmm. We're staying just at the moment with our daughter and, and her husband, um, uh, about to be grandparents for the first time. And we decided that when uh, this thing was, was blossoming, that we would just quickly form a blended family uh, so that we could be on hand um, mm-hmm. to, to participate with. Um, but work, um, we're all working in jobs that, that um, continue the, the way they are. Mm-hmm. Ecclesially, um, uh, we're doing Zoom like lots of other people, but we're also taking the opportunity to connect with people that we don't normally connect to because we're all getting used to electronic connection. And so um, we're taking opportunity to explore um, some other sort of meeting structures in, in other ways. So it's it's kind of got some exciting opportunities in, in the midst of all the, all the confusion and complexity. Mm-hmm. Yeah, similarly here as well, um, going on your last point, John, it's also allowed us um, the opportunity to reach out to lost sheep in our meeting and those that are on the borderline. They're finding it less threatening to join a Zoom meeting than having to come back to church and face people physically again. So it's been great to actually catch up with um, just brothers and sisters that we haven't seen for a really long time. And how you uh, became a blended family, we actually had two ends of the scale because our whole family was up here um, when the COVID uh, lockdown was announced. And in South Africa, we were given three days to make a decision. And um, it was difficult decisions because Landy and Michael and our other two grandchildren were up here with us as well. So we could decide, could we all stay together as a family up here? 
or would they go down to Cape Town 14 hours away? And if something happened, you know, so we put it to a lot of prayer and a lot of faith. And in the end, they decided uh, that it would, they felt it would be better for them down in Cape Town 14 hours away. Um, and it has turned out to be a better decision, even though it was a really difficult you know, us as a family. So you are faced with really challenging decisions to make because you realize they could have long-term repercussions. Right. Yeah, just to connect with what Rachel saying, I, I think we have a, a lot in common because I'm also more of an introvert, mm-hmm. uh, whereas Leona is, you know, the more outgoing one. So for me, it's like um, extra bonus time to do some things that I would like to do say, my, on my own. Uh, the only thing I'm missing, and I think you are missing, is my spinning. I can't go to the gym and do my spinning. I have some exciting news about my spinning because, yes, yes. it's very important to me. And my spinning studio is a very small spinning studio. Yeah, there we go. And she has rented our bike to people. So I'm renting my bike for my, my monthly dues because I was going to pay my monthly dues whether I could spin or not because I need her to be here when this is over. So I'm, I'm very much about, like, one of the questions, you know, how do we support our community? Well, I was going to support her by paying my monthly due. And so she's rented our bikes and she does online spinning classes. So I still get to spin every day if I wanted to. Yeah. Well, we, uh, we've, um, we've, we live in a double, you know, the, the property we have is a double property. So we uh, uh, made a bit of a track here. So I just go round and round and on my bike uh, some days. We, we, really, um, we really were focused on using this time and, and trying to get out of the lockdown, you know, um, in an improved state, you know, uh, physically, health-wise, but also spiritual-wise, you know. So, and, and it's amazing how inventive we've got over the few weeks that we are here. But uh, the other thing that was, for us, uh, affecting our family, um, it was rewarding for me when we had to, in the beginning, discuss how we're going to handle this, uh, are people are going to go back to Cape Town or not, to see how we could all as a family sit down and, uh, really discuss these things openly with differences of opinion and value each other. And, um, right. you know, um, although Llewellyn and uh, Stacy stayed here, Michael and Lundy went back and uh, there's another brother in the Ecclesia there that would have had to stay this time all by himself, which would have been terrible for him. And they've taken him in their home. So they also like a extended family even there on their side. And with, you know, uh, us communicating, it's just wonderful to see how God has put us at the right places, you know, in the right. end. I think a key piece is that willingness to uh, reinvent. And as you say, to do it with a, um, with a compassion to one another and a willingness to listen carefully to one another. Yeah. You know, Rachel, with you saying you enjoy the lockdown being an introvert, me mm-hmm. being an introvert and enjoying people, I've actually been very thankful for having uh, a forced time of not having to be responsible physically to people. So I'm actually allowing myself internally to catch up, uh, which I never grant myself that because all our outreach work is always teaching and educating and being involved with the community kids. And now I cannot. That decision's been taken out of my hands. And it's been great to actually be blessed with the breather to just... uh, 
ah, I can actually sit at home and not be responsible to anyone. Right. Um, That's right. important. Yeah. You know, to take time for yourself because, and I, and I, um, you know, like you, I give a lot of myself to other people. So even though I'm an introvert, I a lot of people are surprised when I say I'm an introvert because I look like an extrovert, but it's exhausting. And so when I give and give and give, I need, like at the end of a Bible school, that Monday after Bible school, I need my house to myself in total and utter silence so I can regather. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it's important to have time to reflect on what's important and, um, you know, just I guess really for me personally, it's um, it's giving me time to really take account of what, what really is important to me. And when this is all over, where do I want to spend my time and energy? Yeah. I think this, this whole conversation actually fits into a bigger principle about the, the whole COVID, that some people see it as this bad thing or, or, or whatever. And it's one of these life events that comes to us and it happens to be coming to the whole world at the same time. Um, and, and the issue is not, is, is the thing itself good or bad? But how do we react in the context of it? Uh, what The change that it brings, what opportunity do we do we take with that? How do we treat one another? When there's need, do we step out and, and do something? Mm -hmm. so I, I've personally found that to me, the uh, with our perspective, and Leon and I'm you know, somewhat fanatical when it comes to health and uh, prevention is better than cure and all those kind of things. So... To me, the greater challenge in my faith was not so much will I get the virus or not. It's, you know, all the other things in the world, the, the panic and, you know, the media hype and then the lockdown and the government, so how they approach it and what that impacts on your life is, you know, uh, to me, uh, much more of a challenge, you know, yeah. I found. Yeah, I find I find a lot of that stuff frustrating, and um, neither of us are on Facebook because we found that we, um, in fact, this was pre-COVID. We found we didn't like that sort of echo chamber um, mm -hmm. panic spiral that, that goes on. But part of me wonders: um, is, is it maybe it, it's a duty to sort of participate a bit to to reassure people? But I'm not at all sure that that kind of setting is a, is a good setting for for trying to bring um, some calm and some perspective. So I, I don't know what to how to think about that. After let me let me insert here that uh, something that came up after the first discussion that somebody wrote back to say that she found it very helpful. She said, I would love to see a similar chat with ideas on helping in our neighborhoods. And it, what I uh, put down here is the question or discussion point is, but in light of social distancing and mandated shelter in place orders, you know, is there anything we can do in our neighborhoods for our neighbors? Which, uh, not directly preaching, but I think that reaching out in love is preaching. So. Um, there's stuff you, that we can immediately do at the level of supporting local businesses. Um, so we've decided that we will increase the number of takeouts that we get from from various restaurants and, and um, over tip, you know, when, when we do that. Um, and we're, we're fortunate that we're in a position that we, we can do that kind of thing. And we have some construction going on at our house with some small crews. And we're, again, continuing to, to enable that to, to go on. Mm -hmm. um, even though there's uncertainty for us ahead, it sort of feels more important to, to be willing to sort of share that opportunity with, with other people. Um, 
So those, those are some that don't really increase this, the sort of connectivity, but I'm sure there's lots of other. My son and I were talking about haircuts, of which I now need one. And uh, then he said, well, you know, I'm still paying my haircutter. And I go, yeah, yeah, that's good. <laughs> what a good idea. And the whole idea of ordering takeout or whatever, just to support those. Yep. Yeah. And one way, go ahead. Sorry, now, I was just going to say, in South Africa, it's a bit different. All our restaurants have shut down. So all, and even um, instant meals, cooking hot meals from our rest, uh, our shops as well. No social interactions allowed, only two people in a car. So basically the situation here is uh, once a week, Lucas and Llewellyn or Henry will go out to buy meat and fresh fruits and vegetables. But one way we have found to still um, help people in the community is you can order things online and have it delivered to their homes, like um, non-perishable goods or essentials. So it takes me out of the picture but it's still getting to their to their home um, to assist them. Um, yeah, physically, it's it's a bit of a challenge for us at the moment. Uh, they're very strict. We're not allowed out. Also, you know, um, because of the restrictions, what um, struck me is, um, you know, uh, when we do go out, you might have to fill your car now and then, or the the person who comes to do the delivery. Um, you, we've been saving all that money in fuel, so we just are, uh, for this time, a lot more liberal in our tipping yeah. mm-hmm. because because in South Africa situation, we understand that those people who are still doing that necessity work, you know, they are the responsible ones, and if you bless them, then they have an extended family, and that will help a lot, you know, to alleviate some of the hard times. Um, so, you know, there's lots of ways you can still uh, be a good influence with, in, a, in a monetary way, but also just your general um, behavior with people and your civility, you know, and your positivity, your optimism. Um, we, uh, I just wanted to add what, from what uh, John was saying, um, we had the, no, none of our families had the virus, uh, except for uh, Stacy, our daughter-in-law's mother in Scotland, Valerie, sister Valerie, you might, some people might know that. Um, and, um, she's she, a frontline nurse. She's she, a frontline nurse. So, um, she tested positive for it. Um, but she was already like a week down the line, but, uh, we've been zooming with them and you can see the virus, you know, it's a tough, uh, situation when you get it, but she's coping very well. And, you know, um, um, so, uh, but it does, uh, make you aware of uh, the reality of it. Yeah. But again, then we have to look at, um, how, how, how much is there too much of a, you know, hype and fear created around all of this. It's a severe illness, but we all face severe illnesses from time to time. And, you know, uh, it's just all the other factors with it that, that, that need you to think a bit more faithfully about things and, you know, really rely on your foundation of faith. Mm-hmm. Um, going back to the, you know, what can we do in our neighborhoods? Um, so I, I have a, uh, an acquaintance, a friend who is uh, extremely high risk. So she is, her, her family are asking her not to leave her house period and so um i had offered there was um 
I'd offered a couple of people who I know are high risk, like they're elderly or they have other medical conditions that I would do grocery shopping for them. And she's taken me up on it. So, um, and she'll email me this, I mean, incredibly long grocery list. So, you know, door to door, it's a two hour time commitment for me, but you know, I would be reading my book otherwise. So, so I go and I do my, and I do her grocery shopping. Um, and, and when I deliver to her, she's just, she goes, this is, you're a miracle. You're just a miracle. And she doesn't have a faith, but she knows I have faith. And so I don't have to say, oh, I'm doing this in the name of Jesus Christ. I don't have to say anything because she knows that that's what I'm doing. Um, and I think for me, um, I was telling somebody recently, I don't, I, I, I would like to live my life um in such a way, without being explicitly, oh, everything is in the name of Jesus, that I just do it. Because for me, I would, I would absolutely hate it if somebody discovered that I was Christian and was surprised. Mm-hmm. I want to live a life that they go, well, oh, well, of course she is. Look how she lives. You know, she's always kind. Or and I know my um, my my daughter's mother-in-law. I think she sort of respects that in me. You know that that I put my faith in practice. She doesn't need to hear what I believe. She just needs to see what I believe. So I think yeah, that's we, what we can all do. Yeah, uh, I thought recently that um, when people say they feel like, well, I can't preach, you know, I, I'm not a preacher. What can I do? Seems to me, go volunteer to push a wheelchair around once a day at a hospital, because I, I know our hospitals take volunteers like that. And that, to me, is preaching. That's doing something good for other people. And you, and you never know where that conversations are going to lead without being really overt about it, like you said. You just, sometimes they may take a spiritual turn or whatever, and you get a chance to talk about uh, mm-hmm. one's faith, and, you know, not in a pushy way. But anyway, it just seems to me simple things like that are preaching because mm-hmm. they're helping other people. And I think that's the center of the gospel anyway, is the Good Samaritan, go do likewise. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we uh, we used to find that a lot of people that you help, they always say, God bless you. Mm-hmm. And we used to react to that saying, thank you, or yes, you know, all praise to God because it's through him. But lately I've said to people, um, it's, it's not that God will, uh, thanks for, you know, asking that God will bless me, but it's because he's already blessed me that I'm in a position to uh, be his instrument of service. And therefore you can also get a blessing. And, and uh, so your actions lead to a point where people will sometimes use phrases, which gives you a opportunity to just share with them that, you know, God is to be praised and it's all because of him. And, and then a much more natural way for people then to discover, oh, your perspective is very positive and God gets the praise instead of coming up front and saying, oh, I'm doing this all for Jesus, you know, you know, sometimes we can be pretty awkward, make it awkward for people right. in the way we are doing good, that it's so much on show and they think, oh, it's, right. we want to earn points or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, like Jesus said, don't do your acts of mercy in front of people. Mm-hmm. Don't don't do it overtly in a way that, that they say, "Oh, look at that kind of thing." So yeah. Do it quietly. Your father will still see you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. One of the things I've been working on myself for quite a few years, but this uh, maybe for some people listening, this will resonate. Uh, being raised a Christadelphian, <laughs> um, I just was raised with this. Uh, the feeling that we are the people and 
this is going to sound terrible, but growing up, I just, I really was not good at making friends, I think, because I always had this hidden agenda that I had to, you know, talk, get them to tell me or be interested that there's no trinity or whatever, just points of faith. Uh, and it was just so that a lot of times, this is what's going to sound terrible. I'd look at the people around me in the world and just say, who are these people? You know, who is, how, how do they fit in? Anyway, I was in New York City one time just looking at the sea of people in front of me in Times Square or something. And it just hit me that God has a relationship with each one of those people. Um, even if they don't believe in him, they're at least, I've got thinking about him every once in a while and whether they should or not. Anyway, the point is, goodness, who are these people? They're God's people. They're, they are there. He's reaching out to each one of them. Anyway. It's just been a, a change in trying to change my thinking that, that I grew up with and just see people as being people to be loved. Um, anyway. As children of God in their own rights. Yeah, and that he's working with each one of them, each one of these millions, billions of people on the earth. You know, it's inescapable to think about God. And, and his love is already flowing to them. He loves them because they are his children. Um, he longs that they will sort of wake up for those that haven't woken up. And many will have woken up and, and been connected with him in, in ways that we will, like, you can imagine the disciples sometimes when they're talking to Jesus and saying, you know, we told those people to stop doing stuff because they weren't in our group. Mm-hmm. And, and Jesus says, don't tell them to stop. Like, let them keep going. And, and I, I think we always have to acknowledge that the love of God and the reach of God is far larger and richer than, than, than we imagine in, in our small minds. Yes. I wonder if um, one of the ways we can reach out to the local community is, um, I, you know, if, if each ecclesia has a website. Um, so we, about a month ago, we had some, uh, a young couple come to our ecclesia and they had learned all about us on our website. And I was floored that anyone looks at our website. And so I've sort of taken it on. And now I'm realizing, oh, I, I, we, this isn't, so in, in, in this world of irony where we, we've got social distancing, so we can't do face-to-face preaching in a time where everyone needs a message of hope, we could be putting this on our websites. We could be putting upbeat, positive messages on our websites um, in case people are looking at them. So that's a note to myself. I'm going to work on that. Yeah, good, good thought. Lucas, you look like you're about to say something. <laughs> no, uh, but, it, uh, you know, the, the irony is, uh, what we found the irony is that um, you're connecting a lot more with people that you never connected to because in the busyness of life, a lot of people <laughs> uh, get forgotten or you just don't make it a priority. But now people's got more time and they are longing for connection because they, a lot of them are sitting at home, maybe alone or, you know, um, and a lot of people, you know, after two weeks of not getting out and at least going to visit some people, you really want to do that. So Zoom or technology is good because now, because they have the time and they're actually much more willing to reach out or connect with you, you know, we you can do that. And that's how we uh, have focused now, especially on, uh, people that have uh, become a bit isolated from the ecclesia or fallen away or you know we are uh, we are meeting uh, in with technology with a lot of them now and and bringing up 
conversations again, building relationships, which, you know, you can always uh, take a, an adv- uh, a situation like this and make it a lot more to your advantage if you just think of ways of doing. Mm-hmm. Um, for example, uh, I'm much more aware now of um, sometimes in WhatsApp that we have here, which is big, uh, the status updates you, you can put on your WhatsApp, you know, because there's a few, uh, quite a lot of people that look at that. And you can even use that to bring a positive uh, mindset to people, you know. So because everyone has got stuff coming around on, uh, you know, from from the internet or from a WhatsApp, and if if you just put in some salt there, it just. Might. And I've had I've had people reacting and say thanks for the update you give, or you know, someone came and and uh, I didn't even knew they were paying attention, and then they will make a comment, and you say, oh, it was helped. So again, like with everything, we have to watch not our words so even so much anymore, but in addition to that, uh, whatever content we are putting out there for people uh, in the community at the start. Can I can I take this in a, another direction? Throw something out here that um, it could be uh, a challenging question. I've had a number of people cite Psalm ninety one, uh, largely a lot of my Haitian friends. Uh, who and I'll just read this the part, but are you familiar with it? Surely God will save you from the fowler's snare and from the deadly pestilence. You will not fear the terror of night, nor the arrow that flies by day, nor the pestilence that stalks in the darkness, nor the plague that destroys at midday. So there you go, the plague being, I guess, the COVID uh, nineteen um, in terms of people's reaction. But should should we? Expect that God and Jesus are going to protect believers in some special way, do you think? Or what should we make of Bible passages just like this? Because really, I hear it a lot from people saying, don't worry, Brother Steve, you know, we're praying for you. And here's Psalm 91, Psalm 118, I think it was one like that too. Any thoughts? Well, my immediate thought is something I think a lot about is um, the idiom that God God knows how many hairs are on our head. And he doesn't mean like literally he knows how many hairs are on my head. And, you know, on an average, most of us lose, if we have any hair, we're losing hundred <laughs> hairs a day. And so we're constantly, our hair is being replenished constantly. But the idiom really, and this is the time to do a Bible study, but it's a fascinating study if you look it up throughout scripture. He knows how long I'm my life. It's 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 how long am I going to be here on this planet, living in this body? And so once I really grasp that 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 I don't know when my end day is going to be, but God knows my end day, and and I submit my life to Him and I give Him up absolute control over everything, which as a quick tangent, I think the fear of this pandemic is because we are now no longer in control. Um, so once I, re- you know, I give God the control, I don't fear. Um, you know, when I knew Zoe was pregnant and I, I, you know, I have like a little conversation with God in my head, like he knows my desires and he knows what I want, that I want to be a grandma. And so I was, you know, um, hoping that I would still be alive to be a grandma, which could be today or tomorrow. Um, so, so going back to the, you know, this, I guess I don't live in fear and I don't think too much about, you know, how am I going to die? Well, you know, is there, is it a famine? You know, I don't know. I'm now I'm rambling. I'm going to stop. I, I have, I have two passages that I go to in, in these kind of settings. One is, uh, Luke 21, 
um, the um, uh, Olivet Prophecy. Uh, and Jesus is warning them about terrible times that, that they will be facing. And in Luke 21 and verse 16, he says, you'll be betrayed even by parents, brothers, relatives, and friends, and they will put some of you to death. All people will hate me, uh, hate you because of me, but not a hair of your head will perish. By standing firm, you'll gain life. And so he's saying, many of you are going to be killed, but don't worry, not a hair of your head will perish. And I think it's in in that setting that I don't know what's going to happen to any of us. Um, and so many of us may um, succumb to, to this disease or some other disease or other ways in which we might naturally die. And, and ultimately, prior to the return of Christ, it will happen to us all. But the promise of Christ is that through all of these, through all of the complexities of life, not a hair of your head will perish. That is, the, the Lord will be with you uh, all the way through. Um, and then another one that I love is Psalm 116. Um, where um, it's, I love the Lord for he heard my voice, he heard my cry for mercy. And he says in verse 15 of Psalm 116, precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. Like, he's not necessarily going to stop us from dying, but that doesn't mean he's unfeeling about it. And, and his eyes are upon us and he cares about us. Yeah, that's exactly it. Um, we, I mean, we all pray for Christ to return. And then at the same time, we know the scriptures are very clear about that before Christ returns, there's going to be a time of tribulation. There's going to be all a lot of uh, suffering, persecution, just like you read now, John. So we should actually be prepared for this and ready mentally and spiritually to accept it in um, whichever way it's going to uh, challenge us in our personal lives. I just found a great verse this morning in the readings, in the Proverbs uh, 29 reading, in verse 25, uh, with the contemporary English version, it says, fearing people is a dangerous trap, but trusting the Lord means safety. So we have people all around us trying to instill a fear and question uh, life and question um, you know, our health and are we going to be challenged? Um, and But if I put my trust in God, as Rachel said, I have no reason to, I don't fear um, because my life is totally in God's hands. And uh, something with this track that Lucas has worked out for us, where we work, walk 200 steps every day, every morning there are two sparrows yeah. sitting on a wall Um how many steps did I say? 200. We walk 10,000 a day. We walk anyway, 10,000 a day, but it's, there's 200 in the track itself. So you know how many times we go around that track. Um, but there's two sparrows sitting on the wall. And that on two sparrows, you know, that verse in the Matthew where it talks about we are worth far more than the sparrows. So these little God moments are just great to pick up on um, in a time like this where people want you to question like the uncertainty of it all. I, I just, that you know, this whole issue is, um, it's a bit of a complex one because I feel it's, you know, not so, um, you know, black and white, straightforward. Um, but if uh, people use Psalm 91 um, to make the conclusion that, you know, none of true believers will get the virus, I, I think that's problematic because uh, it is interesting that uh, Psalm 91 uh, you know, was what um, was used to tempt Jesus in the wilderness, you know. And um, uh, so the idea was, if God is your God, then, you know, 
jump over cliffs and he'll, the angel will protect you. Mm-hmm. But uh, in the context of that psalm, uh, later down in the psalm, it's, it's more like Jesus is, uh, you know, sit, uh, and he states the Pharisees straight saying, um, we, we believe in God and we do our part. And then it's up to God who uh, still can decide uh, you know, for us to get the virus. Uh, but we mustn't uh, tempt God in the sense that we can be irresponsible and just go to places, ignore the rules and, uh, you know, be rebellious against the social distancing. And then we expect not to get the virus, you know. Uh, so I, I believe um, there's a, a big element of responsibility first on our side and being a true believer to trust in God and then uh, knowing that for sure, lots and lots of times we don't even know of. He protects us from dangers we don't even knew was around the corner or whatever. But in the end, uh, it doesn't safeguard us or guarantee us never to get into a problem situation. And that could then again be a test from God. How do we deal deal with that? Um, I love that question you made there, Lucas, that, that this yeah. was one of the um, uh, scriptures used to tempt Jesus. Like, you know, you yeah. can do anything. Uh, and, and, and Jesus says, yeah, but don't put the Lord your God to the test. You know, yeah, yeah that's, that's really yeah. nice. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, um, I, I just believe that um, it does, uh, you know, uh, put a, a responsibility on us to, uh, and I think this is what a uh, crisis like this can uh, help us a lot with, is to reflect on uh, what are my values in life? What am I putting a, a, a great, um, you know, premium on? Where do I spend most of my time? And I, I think uh, we are finding that a lot more people are at least looking at their spiritual lives more and their health, you know, how, uh, because, you know, these things going to come again and possibly m- more of uh, these scenarios in the future. And, and, and the first thing you can do is live a godly life, even in the sense of how you treat your body and your health. And then uh, for me, if I get the virus, I, I will know it's absolutely God's will is a reason for it because I've done my very best to the best of my knowledge and case, uh, implementation to make sure that I've got a strong immune system. But I'm still, you know, um, the scriptures are full of examples of, of, of godly people who still had to suffer. I mean, Job's classic case. And um, mm-hmm. the, 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 to me, the problem with a, um, an approach of Psalm 91 guaranteeing true believers will not get the virus, what do we do with all the brothers and sisters we know did get the virus? Are we going to judge them and say, oh, well, now that shows you're not a true believer. You know, it's a very dangerous path to follow. It's exactly the era of Job's friends where something had happened to Job and they say, you must have done something wrong, Job. And he says, but but I didn't. I was doing all the right things. No, I mean, this is the punishment God brings on. And, and the whole of the book of Job is about the complexity of life that comes upon us and, and how do we react to it? And in Job's case, what God's challenge to him is in this complexity, Job, you started to turn around and challenge me. And, and that shows that there's still this element of pride within your heart um, and, and um, let go of that. And, and then um, you'll, you'll be perfected, uh, as it were. And I think it's, it's true of a lot of us that, as Rachel says, we want to be in control. We want to be in control. And God has actually designed this world so that we cannot be in control. That's the message of Ecclesiastes. 
the, the race is not to the swift um, or, or the battle to the strong. Like you may plan everything that you hope, but in fact, God has, has built this world in such a way that you have to recognize, I can't do it by myself. I, I can't rely on myself. I have to give my life over to, to the power that is higher than me. And in some so ways, um, not to make our health the idol. So I'm, you know, very, you know, uh, I, I try, I, I'm very concerned about my health as well. So I eat well, I try to exercise, but, I, but, we, but we also can't make health my savior. Because despite yeah. what I do, um, if God's if my days are numbered, then my days are numbered. Yeah, Verne, you're going to say something. Yeah, well, just going on. Uh, I mean, uh, I love the proverbs because to me it's just like super practical. And just reinforcing what you were saying in Proverbs 16, it says, "We make our own plans, but the Lord gives the right answer." So again, and in verse nine, we make our own plans, but the Lord determines our steps. So it's a case of. This virus has come around. I don't believe God sent it as a punishment to anyone. He has allowed it to happen, and he's now waiting to see our reaction to it. And as you say, like Job, we've got to be careful to not become too self-righteous in our own side and start protecting our own actions. We've got to, in everything we do, just give honor to God and say, okay, God, just help me through this next test. I really would like to uh, do it to the glory of you and your name and come out um, as a shining light, you know, to those that are watching us with everything we do. We're, we're close to the end of uh, our discussion, I think, but um, a lot of people are praying for protection right now. Uh, but what should our response be if prayers don't seem to be answered uh, on any level for anything, I guess? You know, if we, we just don't, we keep praying, but they don't seem to be answered. What, how do we react to that? How do we respond? Go ahead, Luca. Well, I, when I thought about this, I, 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 I've always um, had an approach to the three answers that your prayers can have: is God can either say yes, or He can say definitely no, or it could be looks like a no, but it could be uh, that it's uh, maybe the answer will be yes later. It's you know wait and. Um, I think the yes is easy. If we pray, uh, we must uh, remember uh, to add as much detail in the giving thanks to God for exactly how we answered our prayers. But if it's no or possible wait situation, then a very good idea for me always to go and try and figure out by prayer and studies and um, why would God have said no in such a case? Uh, I'm praying not to get the virus. If I do, um, then, you know, the answer, uh, God decided that I, I, I'm, that was his will. But then, you know, to be try to be honest and um, really f- uh, figure out why the answer was that way. So we can learn more about God. And, and uh, again, the book of Job is very helpful because sometimes you also have to realize that the answers might not even be there. But, you know, in the context of God um, maintaining this whole universe, and our lives just being a speck, but we also worth so much to him. Um, you know, later the answers will be revealed, but to have that faith that in his wisdom, that was the right thing to happen. I'm often struck by people who end up with bad diseases 
who um, say that it's one of the best things that ever happened to them. And mm -hmm. Michael J. Fox is a great example with, with Parkinson's. And Parkinson's is a horrible disease. My, my dad died of Parkinson's. Um, but Michael J. Fox says that in some sense, the best part of his life started at that point. Mm -hmm. And I, I think um, some of these very difficult things, um, they cause us to... Um, look at life as um, as a, a, a look at life afresh as a precious thing, and um, the danger is if we um, had been led to believe that none of these complexities of life will come to us, then we'll feel betrayed. But but the the, the scripture is really clear that life will happen to you. And the Lord is there, and being able to reach out and rely on the strength of God is the thing that will bring you through it, right through, even through the gates of death um, to, to the other side. And I think that that's the message that we want to share with one another, that despite what happens to you, you can be at peace because the Lord is with you. My prayer life um, has changed over the last 10 years. So, uh, you know, 10 years ago, I would pray absolutely fervently and would be weeping in prayer and giving God very clear direction on what I thought needed to happen, not so much in my life, but in, in somebody else's life um, that was uh, in chaos. And it's taken me 10 years to realize that... Um, that this other person, everybody else outside of me has their own God or their own higher power or that, you know, God is taking care of you how he sees fit. And so my prayer life now has become more of acceptance and thankfulness and trust. And so um, I'm very aware that, um, and I'm going to use cancer as an example. Like we have a lot of times where in our ecclesia, we have a community prayer and we pray a lot for people with cancer and we want them to be, we want them to be healed. And I find myself thinking, but I don't know what the actual person with the cancer wants. I don't know what their relationship with God is. And in some ways, um, and this is something I think about now with my, my parents, um, you know, both of John's parents have died and my mom had died. And so with my dad, that's between him and God. And so my prayer now is acceptance. Whatever happens to me, I can accept that it's happening um, and I can trust that God is going to be taking care of me because I've seen him taking care of me in, in the past. Um, so, so when we feel people ask me, well, you know, does God answer prayer? I'm like, well, it depends what you're praying for. Because mm -hmm. if I pray for acceptance, then God is going to give me opportunities in my life to practice acceptance. And I remember when my kids were little and I, I remember saying to John, I just, I'm praying for patience. I'm just praying for patience. And John's like, you know, you're not going to wake up tomorrow morning and patience isn't going to come down like fairy dust. He gave you little kids so that you can learn patience. And I was like, oh. And so then I learned, okay, so if I want to go grocery shopping, I need to ask Nathan to put his shoes on five minutes before I want to leave the house because it's not going to happen right when I ask him. And I think God does that for me anyway. I see him working in my life in a way that and when I ask for something, and it's normally a characteristic, like I want to be more kind, I want to be more patient, he will give me an opportunity to practice that. So I find that in my life, God absolutely answers my prayers. I've just changed what I'm praying for. Yeah, I, uh, I mean, I totally agree with Rachel. I mean, because with Steve's, when people say God doesn't answer my prayer, um, it's, it comes down to the question that what did you pray for? And was it the correct kind of prayer? Um, and when it comes to illnesses and it comes to challenging situations, 
I mean, I know when our son was ill, uh, you don't even know what to pray for after a while because you are so aware of wanting God's will to be done but and, and not wanting to go against his will. But your own will is you don't want your child to die. You don't want the person to suffer. So literally that verse where it says, um, and I don't even know where it is, but it's, you don't know what this, the, the angels hear your silent prayers and they, they make sense of what you actually are desiring. But it comes back to what we've been saying the whole time. We've got to realize whatever answers God gives us is the correct answer. And it's up to us to um, accept it and know that um, that's how God wants us. He's looking at how we're going to, well, everyone looks at how you're going to react to it. Um, what decisions are you going to make? Are you going to fight against it? Um, you're going to just become a passive person. Uh, and, and it comes back to faith because a lot of your reactions are based on your faith and your relationship with God and Christ. And that's that's what I believe all the time we need to be working on in um, in life, uh, which is why it's so important to start the day with the scriptures uh, I mean, I personally believe most of us are praying all day long. It's not necessarily sitting down and closing your eyes and having a dedicated time to, to pray. It's uh, being showing gratitude, being thankful for small moments. Uh, um, I mean, I, I was just thinking the other day, we all um, always say, oh, I've got no time to do something. And now God said, well, okay, yes, yeah, all the time you want. Lockdown. You're at home now. All those reasons, all those things you were asked to do and you kept saying, oh, I've got no time. I'm sorry. Okay. Yes, all the time you want. What are you going to do with that time now? And are we using it like we said we would? Absolutely. I think that's a good note to end on. Um, thank you uh, all for contributing to this conversation that uh, we're hoping will be uh, helpful to people that will uh, – will have helped give all of us profitable things to think about and reassurance in these trying times. They are trying times. So may God bless you and help you through whatever comes. Thanks. Thank you. Thank, Thank, you. You. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Video of this discussion can also be viewed on our website. If there are issues or questions you'd like to see our Global Faith Panel discuss, please email thoughts at wcfoundation.org. Thank you for listening.